Colin. Samir. It's 2022, man. That means we've officially been doing this together for 11 years. Now. Right? Yeah. We started in 2011. That's crazy. Wow. This space has come a long way. And, uh, and we've I, gotten old. We've gotten older. Yeah, yeah that's true. Your beard's almost completely gray. <laughs> completely. That is true. What's up, Pod Squad? Thanks for listening to this podcast. This is our first official episode of the year. And this episode is with a creator who's been uploading longer than we have. 13 years. Yeah, Marquez Brownlee has been uploading to YouTube since 2009. And it's unbelievable to see how far he's come, his staying power, how big his team is. Truly one of my favorite creators that we get to speak with. We use this term a lot internally called a career creator. And Marquez, especially after spending this much time at his space, like he is the true embodiment of a career creator. He's building a modern day media company. He has a full team and this beautiful studio that we actually got to tour. And we will be uploading a studio tour to our YouTube channel this week. It's like a full-blown exploration of that space and where he shows us the ins and outs of what he's building. And it's I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's a, it's, a, it's a million dollar studio. This is our second interview with Marquez Brownlee. If you haven't heard our first one, it's on our podcast feed. It's also on the YouTube channel. So you can go back and check that out. And as we get into this year of content, we just wanted to let you guys know about our newsletter, The Publish Press. It comes out every Tuesday and Friday. We talk about the world of creators and give you the top three stories on both Tuesday and Friday. You can subscribe at thepublishpress.com. We'll put a link in the description of this podcast. And without further ado, our interview with Marquez Brownlee. So since our last interview in February of this year, you've done a lot of different things. You've launched a Skillshare course. You started working with BBC on autofocus. You started a second channel called The Studio. Uh, Retro Tech Season 2 was announced. You interviewed the CEO of Google. You started the MKBHD Discord. You were inducted into the Hall of Fame at your high school. Your podcast waveform joined the Vox Media Podcast Network. You did a thousand mile road trip race and you had a new watch strap launch with moment and my question for you is how do you have time for stuff like this <laughs> yeah I'm, i make time for stuff i want to do so I, I would happily make time right now my entire twitter timeline is where's the macbook pro review right. where is it why are you late did you die i had a four-day frisbee tournament last week and now i'm four days behind on reviews but i wanted to do this so there is one thing i missed in that list which is that you're a professional athlete right yes <laughs> so. but our season's over so <laughs> now we got a little more time yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's been yeah. quite the year for you, huh? It's been a fun, you know, I, I, I feel like when I was in college, it was actually more hectic because I was doing a lot of stuff, but I also had to go to class every single day. And so I feel like when I graduated, I was like liberated of all of those hours and I could actually pour them into more of the stuff that we're talking about that I actually want to do. So in a way it's a little easier than when I was in college. Of that list that Samir just rattled off, is there one that you're most excited about or the mm. proudest of? Hmm. Um, I mean, the studio channel is pretty exciting for us because it's 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 a lot more than just like a single event or collaboration. It's a it's a it's a whole channel. Like it can be a whole a whole lot of things. So probably that. It's, we're a couple of videos into it at this point, so we're getting our feet wet, figuring out what works and what doesn't but we have a lot of ideas that we're still setting up and going to try so i think probably the studio channel how much thought went into that second channel a lot and it's been like sort of brewing behind the scenes for a long time as many could probably tell from watching other videos um 
Yeah, the the MKBHD channel has been the only channel I've had up until we launched the Waveform channel like a year and change ago. And I've always wanted to do second channels and I've always thought it would be cool to have other channels for other things, but I've never done it. And to finally do it this year and like really have a lot of fun with it was great. Except for the fact that your first upload on a new channel takes forever to process. I don't know if you guys have experienced this at yeah. all, but on a new channel, our first our first upload on the podcast channel too was like an hour long video. It took like 30 hours to process. Oh really? I had no idea. It takes like five minutes usually for an MKBHD yeah. video to process. Mm. So aside from that, it's been great. I wonder if that means it's just sitting in the YouTube queue. Like they're I think just like, we'll get to this one. Yeah, later. there's probably a priority of some kind mm. where channels who are reliable and established are yeah. higher in the queue and then brand new channels uploading hour long videos are lower in the queue. Wow, I've never thought about that. Yeah. I don't know how they sort the queue, but we found it to be true. Hmm. It's interesting. Like we're, we're obviously here in your studio. And yeah. this is, is this MKBHD Studio 2? Um, like, do you consider, I guess, your apartment one? Yeah, I th- and then I, is this three? It's, there is definitely phases. I would consider this four. Four. Okay. Um, I think the bedroom that I started off in in my parents' house would be Studio One. Mm-hmm. And I think my college... I was in my college apartment for one year on campus. I could count that. But then I was in that uh, Hoboken apartment for a while. I think that would be two. Got it. Then I was in another spot in this building for a while. That was three. Now we're here. I feel like those are the phases for this as being the fourth one. So the studio, the channel itself, like what goes into, I guess a lot of creators when they launch second channels, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people on the outside think about it and are like, why don't you just upload all the content to one channel. So what's the, what's the thought process around like separating it? Yeah, it's probably a little bit of overthinking, but basically we have a lot of stuff that we also want to share that doesn't quite fit on the main channel. And part of that's my fault. Cause like I have a certain standard and a certain style of video I want to make on the main channel. So we'll have like a camera that we have and we play with for like two days and we have some loose thoughts on, but it's not a whole review. And if I was going to make a review of this camera, I'd spend a whole week shooting more intensive things, pushing it to its limits and scripting and researching and comparing to other things. And then it's this whole big thing. But we have some thoughts we want to share. So we just sort of wanted another place to be able to share that stuff. So sometimes it's quick thoughts on things. Sometimes it's a little behind the scenes. Sometimes it's a quick story or a setup or something like that. And this is like a new place for that. I think a lot of the same audience will want to watch that stuff. But... For people who specifically want that stuff, they can subscribe to it now, where it would just be sort of on social media or sprinkled in here and there in the past. Yeah, it's interesting. It feels like we talk a lot about the difference between idea-based creators and relationship-based creators, right? Where like, you know, the world of Casey uploading a daily vlog was like relationship-based. Like you were clicking on that because you were part of that world. Even like being in New York, I was going down the West Side Highway yesterday and I was like, had this like flash of being like, I think I'm on the set. You yeah. know, you're like mm-hmm. on Casey's set. Like I've so seen that road and that sh- that bush before. Yeah, yeah it's really strange where you develop this relationship mm-hmm. with the creator and with their world. Um, and the bar on YouTube right now, I think set by creators like like Mr. Beast and like this this kind of heavy high bar around what is the idea behind this upload. And like, I think the weight of those uploads yeah. uh, is so heavy now. Do you feel that on the MKBHD channel as compared now to like, is there a liberation with the studio channel? Yeah, I, and I was going to say there might, I think there's kind of a third type of channel. Okay. 
which would be, I guess, just product-based. Mm. So, it, and it kind of it kind of combines both. Like, a new product comes out, and that is the story. Right. The story of the product gets woven into the video, and also the relationship with the creator and their relationship with the product all gets woven in. Mm. So it's you know it's not just tech, but there's makeup channels, do yeah. products. There's all kinds of product videos. Um, but yeah, the 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 studio channel is a lot more casual, I guess is the word, where we will have thoughts that are kind of in all three buckets. They'll just be like, oh, we know Adam's the audio guy and a new mic came out and like, here's just some casual thoughts on that mic. It's not like we're reviewing a mic in this this setting we've created on the MKBHD channel. So I think liberating is probably a good yeah. word. It does feel like a little more casual, just sharing mm-hmm. some thoughts type stuff. There's also a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of the fact that you are not the primary, you don't have to be the primary host. Underrated, yeah. Yeah, which means that there can also be a lot of different places you can take that brand, the studio brand that you maybe couldn't take, the MKBHD brand. Have you thought about that and like what the studio, even the name, what that could turn into? Yeah, I mean, the the idea of the studio is to feel like you're behind the scenes at the studio and you, you can participate in some of the, the shoots or or hanging with people on the team as we watch events or as we start making stuff and even making mini reviews and things like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the idea is I don't have to be the primary driver of the perspective. There's multiple perspectives and that's the beauty of being at the studio. Um, <laughs> thanks, Mac. It didn't, it didn't always, it wasn't always like that. It was just me for a long time. So I think that's that's the exciting part about having more than one person here. Yeah, I like how much it showcases the community that you have here. Yeah. And I think when you said product-based channels, the term that we would probably use is community-based. And so in your instance, tech products are the thing that drives the community. Right. Sometimes it's maybe new makeup launches for makeup and beauty channels, but it really is the product just serves as an entrance way to the community mm-hmm. to kind of build around and all talk. Yeah, and it's interesting because so many of these products that have a community around them, you would think like fundamentally it's because those people bought the product, but really frequently they haven't. Yeah. But it's people sort of like joining teams in a way. Like this this used to be way more toxic where there's people who are just like fanboys of only one company and they will defend it to the death. But there are there there are communities of people around products that come out. Um, just based on the merits of the product or the feature choices that company made that will just have a community behind them, which is really interesting. So yeah, there's inevitably like a story behind every product Mm. when it comes out, which is pretty cool. What was the, uh, did you, did did a lot of thought go into adding like, like adding more characters into the world and even having your employees be on camera? Like did thought yeah. did a lot of thought go into that around like what does that mean and what does that become? I feel it came pretty naturally, I think, for this idea. Like uh obviously the MKBHD channel, a lot of people come back from my perspective on things. And so it might be kind of jarring. I've seen lots of other channels who have that sort of relationship with their audience introduce new hosts. Mm-hmm. And while in theory it should work because it's still a product review, it's not the same because I was here for that guy's opinion and that guy's voice on the thing, maybe even that guy's presentation style. Um, so this studio channel doesn't have that precedent right off the bat. It immediately has a bunch of different voices. And so right off the bat, 
I like that phrase. It's not a feature of the channel that it is an MKBHD property. It is more, here is this variety of tech and this variety of content in this genre. Right. And you can just jump right in. Um, so yeah, I guess there was a bit of thought to it, but it, it, it came naturally because I know what the MKBHD channel is. This is different from that. Did the inspiration for it come from any other creators? Probably. I mean, probably from the first example of like channels that have tried to introduce other hosts and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, one day I'll be 70 years old and it probably wouldn't make sense for me to still be hosting. So it would be nice to have a, another version of a thing that we can build where we still share our thoughts, but it doesn't depend on me. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's any other specific like studio channel. Oh, you know, here's one. Corridor Digital. Yeah. What's yeah. their second channel called? Corridor Crew? Corridor, yeah, mm -hmm. Corridor Crew. Yeah. That's, that was one of our uh, initial inspirations for sure because, you, again, you get a bunch of different perspectives but all in the same theme and you can latch on to whatever character you want, but that's the, that's the idea. Yeah, it's so interesting. It feels like this year specifically you've, you've made the, the choice to like open up the world, even with the podcast, yep. the studio. When you talk about going beyond yourself um, and thinking about a time when you're 70 and you might not want to sit down and make a video or have to make a video, um, do you also think about scaling the brand into other mediums and formats like written content? Is there ever a world where you become or you want to launch a... A written vlog? Yeah. I, mean, I, I like the video medium a lot, so I think it'll probably always be in the video medium. But I have thought about other mediums inside of video. So we've made MKBHD videos and yeah. that's, that feels like a medium. Yeah. If I want to share something via an MKBHD video, I know how to do that. But there's podcasts and there's podcast clips and there's vlogs and there's the studio channel and there's other ways of sharing different angles of the same product or the same story. Um, and I'm fully willing to explore all of those, because again, the MKBHD channel is dependent on me, and I'm fine with that channel forever being dependent on me. Max, Mac, not, Max not happy. Yeah, Mac not is yeah. for sure. But I think there's always going to be opportunities for other angles on the same story, and it makes sense to take advantage of them and see how, see what we can build with them. Because the MKBHD channel is over 10 years old. Right. It's very evolved. It has taken a direction. It has a full head of steam in one direction, and. Uh, I, to like, I guess, create an analogy, it would be, be kind of like other, what is it? It's, it's like other things riding in, on the coattails of it a little bit, especially for their initial momentum, but to take different directions and different angles. So that's kind of the way I picture it. Because video is just like a very specific type of business, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's advertising. There's also other, other ways to do it, but we yeah. saw one of your robots in the robot room that you mm -hmm. showed us, <laughs> the Colossus. And you had mentioned to us, it's, it's a quarter million dollar robot. Mm -hmm. And I had said to you, which in my head, I, I know I'm confident that you can make a return on that investment through this, this business that we're all in of, of advertising. Um, but you've also now ventured into this Skillshare course that you launched earlier this year, which is another way to use video and, and another model, which yeah. is more of a direct-to-consumer model. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, going into education and using video in that format of yeah. behind a, a paywall or behind a, you know, a gate. Yeah, so I guess part of the, the just to zoom out a little bit, the yeah. whole studio idea 
is we wanted to build the ultimate video production studio, which I don't think exists yet for our independent video production. And so when we started, we got this robot or even the first robot, one of the thoughts was like, okay, it's expensive, but you know what we could do is we could like rent out that room once in a while. Got it. And like have someone who like wants to do a robot shot, like come in for the day when we're not using it and they can pay and they can use the robot. And if that idea kind of floated around, but it turns out the idea of the ultimate video studio depends on us having instant access to that robot whenever we need it. And it's, it's a special thing, but sometimes we're, we're working on an idea and it's like, you know what? That's a, that's a robot shot. And we just head over and start doing it. And I think that's the difference between, uh, you know, all the different ways of making money with video equipment or just making money with video. Um, so yeah, the Skillshare course was like, I, I just wanted to share like sort of the behind the scenes process and we didn't really have a great way of doing that. And Skillshare approached us and that was like a perfect puzzle piece fit. It was like, oh yeah, well, we'll make a course mm-hmm. and then we'll break down all the different ways that we do these types of things and format it into something easily followable. Okay. Yeah. The Skillshare course. We can probably do stuff like that on YouTube as well, but it just fit like a puzzle piece there. So it was a lot of fun to work with them. Um, but yeah, I think the the overarching idea is is still to make stuff we'd want to watch or consume and to create the environment that is best for making that stuff. So that's where we're at. Yeah, the, the you gave us a tour of the space before we sat down. And I think what was so amazing was how you've described a lot of the rooms uh, as they pertain to problems that you had in other spaces. And a lot of the rooms are solutions to those problems, uh, which is really cool, like the overhead shot, right? You described that you had to set, you had to take time to set up the shot. And if you wanted to reshoot, you had to reset up the shot. Set it up again, yep. And so that's a solution to that problem. Mm. Um, And I think that's a really interesting way to think about, as we're actually thinking about now moving into a new space, uh, like actually spending the time to write down the problems that you're trying to solve yeah. with space. Yeah. And even, you know, I mentioned we're probably outgrowing this space. Yeah. And so one of the crazy next steps that's been inspired by, you talked to Jimmy, like having a building to ourselves is we're now writing down all of the things that we didn't realize are great about this space that we wouldn't have if we left. So we're thinking about like, okay, if we leave and we, we get our own building, well, suddenly we don't have landscaping, mm-hmm. a, an electrician, a plumber, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch, there's electric car charging outside, like all these little things that we didn't really realize. Mm. Uh, we're in like the opposite stage. We're like, let's just take a note of that. So when we do move on, we can make sure we resolve those problems immediately and pick up where we left off. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like a storage room, not a huge deal, but when our space last time was a big rectangle, it was a storage corner and there was a bunch of boxes over in an unusable corner. And yeah, it's kind of nice having a, just a room to tuck stuff away. So top-down room, set rooms, prop mm-hmm. rooms. Robot room. Robot room. <laughs> a lot Very, of times you don't realize you need a robot room right. until you just happen to have one. <laughs> I mean, when you have a robot, you do need a robot okay. room. See, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. know that. We yeah. almost put it out here. It would have been very different looking if this we had is a no robot place for This a is robot? no place for a robot. I mean, yeah. you... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, for Colossus? Yeah. Colossus yeah. can't live out here. <laughs> yeah. How do you, I'm curious, I, I, Colossus like blew my mind when you were touring it, when mm-hmm. you were showing it to us. How do you rationalize uh, an investment like that? Because I think, you know, a lot of us understand how you can make that money back. But for you, when you're making that decision to spend a quarter million dollars on a robot, mm-hmm. where it's only going to be maybe six seconds of some of your videos, how do you rationalize an investment like that? 
Yeah, so the robot shots are few and far between in the video, but they're really special and really fun when we do pull them off. And I was sort of summarizing earlier, but basically we're making tech videos, we've evolved in our production, we have these cameras, we have these steady cams, all this stuff. It's really fun and we're, we're really invested in making great videos. But something that you notice is when everyone's making tech videos, we're all making videos about the same products. And so inevitably, we're all basically saying the same stuff. And so we can separate ourselves with our production value a little bit, but a lot of that stuff is pretty easily replicable. Like other companies, you know, you know, even like the CNETs of the world or the, whoever else wants to make high quality tech videos can go out and get nice cameras and hire talented people and make great videos. So the idea with the robot is to do something that is both higher in production value, but also very difficult to replicate. In theory, others could make that monetary and time investment, but they're unlikely to. And so it's just a little spice, a little extra ingredient on top where we don't want to overuse it, but we feel like we can make uh, unique but very purposeful, awesome shots in videos that you won't find anywhere else. And there may, there may be other things just like the robot in the future where we find, you know, this is crazy. No one else is going to do this, but it's going to be awesome. Let's do it. And I think the rationale for that is really just like the channel I'm, I'm spending on the channel. Like, I don't really think too hard about like, it costs this much. How many videos does it take to make up for it? It's more just like, this is a, this is a fun idea. This is a great idea as far as our goals. So let's just do it. Hmm. The MKBHD channel, that's kind of the, 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 the engine that allows for all of this, correct? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, and, and when you look at some of these new, you know, uh, I guess investments of time and, and the expansion that you're going through, is it, is it all based on the, the stability, I guess, of the MKBHD channel? Yeah, uh, and I've been pretty consistently happy with the stability of the channel. I mean, there's a lot of, I've been on YouTube for a long time and I've yeah. seen a lot of channels that were rock solid that are just gone now. Right which is scary to see. But again, we were talking about how that I don't have to be like the star of the show necessarily. We make videos about products. The pressure to be interesting is on the tech industry. And I feel like I am, I can be a constant force in shining the light on the tech products, but the tech has to be interesting. And that'll always be, there's millions of dollars of R&D spent on being interesting and different and high quality. And I, I feel like being a, a channel that covers that is pretty stable. And I think when you see those like huge channels that disappear, it's because they didn't have something quite as stable to rely on, whether it was a personality and then they burned out or whether it was like products they weren't really interested in. I think because we're all like huge nerds here and we're all like pretty focused on the tech coming out, like this is rock solid. So yeah, tech's gonna keep coming out. We're gonna keep making videos about it. We're gonna keep getting better hopefully. And that's the engine that everything runs off of. I feel like we feel that way now about our channel, considering we yeah. focus on creators. Yeah. And we, you know, as long as creators continue to do interesting things, mm. that <laughs> will make our job easy. Right? Exactly. And, yeah. and what's interesting is that we actually, you were episode, I think, three of the Colin and Smear show, which is crazy. And thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but we were struggling to find our rock solid format for a long time. Yeah. We had made a lot of videos about creators, but we couldn't replicate them and mm -hmm. we couldn't 
figure out what we were doing for the long term. So I think what you just brought up is it's actually really important for a creator who's getting into it today to think about, because if you're relying 100% on your personality, at some point it's going to evolve. It's going to change. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to change formats. You're going to want to change something about what's going on because you're naturally going to evolve. And the pressure to say, this is, I'm betting my career on my personality and my ability to showcase my personality over the next 10, 20 years is I think what creates the race to build something beyond video for a lot of creators. Right. But I think what's interesting is as I'm, you know, as we're learning and and sitting with you more and more today, what I'm recognizing is like, you're not as much and correct me if I'm wrong, but thinking about that same race of, I need to build something beyond video as soon as possible. It's like video is the the core product and will be for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I really believe in video. And I think the future of video is is just different formats of video, evolved video even, like we talk about VR and like putting mm-hmm. yourself in someone's shoes. It's it's video, it's just better. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, for creators starting out, that was another thing. I, I I love this analogy, so I'll just say it, and I've I've said it before. But w- whenever people ask about starting out, they're like, "Oh, I really like tech. I want to make videos about tech. Any tips for starting? Make sure you really do like tech, right? Because there, I again, you can make videos about tech every day for the next year, and maybe you'll kind of get sick of it. Like that's that's real. That's a real valid feeling to have. Um, and so I often equate becoming a, a professional video creator in tech or in any product related thing, uh, kind of like becoming a professional athlete in that everyone can have fun making videos and everyone can have fun, let's say playing basketball, for example, going to the park with your friends, playing basketball, whatever. But turning it into a job requires not just a high level of skill, but like an extra level of time dedication Mm -hmm. and like actual resources being poured into it to get to the very peak level to be able to turn it into your job. Yeah. And that's the same thing with with making videos. Like if you can be happy making videos for fun and never making a dime off of it, and maybe someday it hooks and you can spend time on the strategy and actually turning it into your job, that's great. But you should be happy making videos, never making a dime off of it, as if you're like playing basketball in the park. And if you're getting burnt out playing basketball in the park, it's probably not going to be a great idea to try to become a professional basketball player. Same thing with creating videos. So I I totally agree with that. I think the one thing that's very different about being a video creator is that to do it as a job, you have to become a distributor. You have to think like a distributor of video, not like a creator of video. Because actually what you're, you're actually running a network and you're making decision, programming decisions on what should go out to generate the right viewership to speak to the audience if you're truly just making whatever you want to make or like just you know there's a balance there yeah and i think the creators who potentially end up not making it in the long term are true creators and not necessarily distributors they don't want to think about being a distributor it's about putting your creativity into the constraints of what the algorithm wants what the audience wants of what you're able to even produce Mm -hmm. over long periods of time yeah we've talked about this octopus analogy in the past Mm -hmm. i think if i cut off enough arms i am a content strategist yes and that's kind of the job that's the job um and i i i think i'm pretty good at it but i have so many other things going on that i'm like coming back to being a content strategist but if i can be full-time content strategist and product reviewer and all the other arms are working effectively, that is the best version of that machine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fully agree, you gotta be on top of that. So that would be like playing on the team, mm-hmm. being the coach, as well as deciding 
which trades you should make. Yeah, the GM. As yeah. well as trying to sort out how to drive ticket sales and running sponsorships too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it like an actual team owner situation, they probably have an arm in everything. Yeah. They probably are talking to the GM about who they want to pay $50 million a year, mm-hmm. but they're also talking to... I don't, is Mark Cuban talking to the coach about how to strategize? Probably not. But like, yeah, being a creator is a very unique job and that you have to have some arm yeah. in all of these different things. I think that's the thing that I realized once this really did turn into, like this channel for us turned into a career, the mm-hmm. switch was uh, really about content strategy and distribution, yeah. not as much about creation. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really interesting switch to happen because when you first yeah. start out, you're just like trying to emulate some creator you like or something that you saw, some yeah. movie that you saw. Something unique we've been able to keep up is we we still try to make every video better and better. So yes, we are focusing more on distribution and strategy mm-hmm. and things like that. But I guess it's somewhat unique. It's probably not that unique, but we're all video nerds and we all want to make every video mm-hmm. even better than the last one. And so I, I, I am very encouraged by looking back at one-year-old videos and cringing at how bad I think they are because that means we're getting a little better. Um, but that also just happens to be part of our niche. Like for whatever reason, tech videos are all like very highly produced. I don't know if that's partially our fault, but like we enjoy that <laughs> right. a lot. So we keep doing it. So since February, when we did talk to you about your team and, and your company, how has how have things grown even like by the numbers uh, yeah. since earlier this year? Like, do you look back on 2021 and think about how things have, have grown from number of employees amount of space, number of subscribers, like what are some things that you're tracking from this year? So I kind of view the year in, to oversimplify, like kind of two parts. With tech, there is January through August where there's new stuff coming out, but not too much. So you can you can focus the content, the content strategy around, here's a new thing, we'll cover that. Here's a little bit of a gap, let's make a fun, interesting video to try some other format. And you sort of bounce back and forth and you're all over the map. And then September through December is products, 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 products. And if you look at the channel, that's what it is right now. Products, products, products. And so I kind of view the first section of the year as like growing, learning, trying new things. And then I view the second half as like the playoffs of our established workflow. (laughs) After August, Lock it all in. We're doing this for the next four months and we're covering as much as we can. And part of that is economic because the ad rates are better and more products are coming out. But it's just like, that's when all this stuff comes out. And that's when most of the channel does most of its growth. Um, So yeah, I I forgot the question, but that's kind of how I look at like- Got it, yeah. The overarching strategy. I was was asking about like any growth metrics of the company, like Uh, how many more people there are or how many- you know. I, for, I don't remember where February, I'm trying to remember who was here and who wasn't. But again, like that was part of the growing part of the year. Mm-hmm. And straight through from then, probably till like June or July was when we were adding people and like building up this workflow. And like since September, it has not grown. It has just been head down on like, let's make these best videos we possibly can. Well, as you grow, what's important to you when it comes to establishing a company culture? Is that something you think about taking into account? Oh, definitely. I mean, we, the number one priority is to be as skilled and efficient as possible. And everyone here is not only super skilled and very passionate about videos and and tech, which is already a lot, videos, tech, passionate, skilled. Mm -hmm. 
um, but also is like multi-skilled and multi-talented. So where I'll, we have, like I'll use Adam for example, I'll like pat him on the back a little bit. He produces a podcast, but it's also a video podcast. So he edits the audio version, he edits the video version, He's part of strategy for deciding what clips should be, what makes a good clip. Then we're working on thumbnails and titles for those clips and when we should publish them versus when the episode comes out. Like that's a lot for something you could probably do divvy up into six jobs. One person to do the clips, one person to edit the audio version, one person to edit the video version, one person to content strategize and decide what gets published when. So it's a great example of like, Everyone here has a, a wide and actually a little bit overlapping set of talents that complements each other and makes this like whole thing go. So I, I think a lot about that when building the team. Um, but yeah, it all comes down to just like talented, skilled, smart, passionate about tech and video. Yeah. From a brand and company perspective, I, I find it's very important to know who you're not. Mm -hmm. to even just make sure that you're like united as a team and understand, you know, our brand is this, we are not that. Yeah. Is there a brand out there or, or a, a media platform that covers tech where you like understand that not. like we're not, we're not like that and that's what makes us who we are? Um, not specifically, but I mean, there isn't really anything else that's quite like what we're doing. And I don't mean that like selfishly. I just mean like if you look at who's making videos about tech products, there's independent creators and there's like what CNET, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, The Verge, like that. Mm -hmm. And we're neither, we're, we're kind of both, but neither. Um, so it's not to say we're avoiding being CNET, but when you watch CNET, it's seven different hosts. It's, it's their own like produced tested thing with a specific consumer audience in mind. And when you watch independent creators, it's a single creator like us, but it's like, whatever they're passionate about versus like appealing to the algorithm as directly as we might. So it's kind of like bringing both things into one, but not being one or the other. If that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How important for you throughout this like process of growth has been um, like growing a team. Cause a lot of what YouTube is like being on, on YouTube, it's like, I think if you looked at it from a purely economic standpoint, it's like, uh, can you keep the production costs the same as the audience grows? Because mm -hmm. if you can do that, then your margins go right. through the roof, right? And right. so how much of building a team was important to you and how much of those economics of like, this is still a YouTube channel, like I want to keep my production costs low and I want to keep my overhead low. Like yeah. why, why take on this much overhead? Yeah, I think um, I've always been one of those people that plays a video game where, have you ever played NBA like, two, like mm -hmm. my career? Yeah. I will play with the worst skills as long as possible and build up as much coin hmm. so that I can make a huge upgrade. Some people will just, I have, I have 300 coins right now, I'm just gonna get plus two dribbling points right now and I'll just get better a little bit every time. I don't know, I feel like that translates a little bit sure. where like this channel has not had to worry about margins or overhead in a very long time. Um, probably since I was in college, like the amount of money spent on videos versus like the audience it was reaching was a phenomenal ratio a long time ago. So to an extent, it was sort of just like waiting, biding my time, figuring out exactly how we want to do this well so that we have the best possible next steps. And I think we've, we've started off on a really good foot. Like we have all the stuff you mentioned, we have the podcast, we have mm -hmm. the studio channel, we have stuff growing. Um, 
but I think a lot of it is like, yeah, we, we don't typically think about videos from the monetary perspective anymore because we don't have to, luckily. Uh, it usually translates pretty well from just making the best thing we can to it reaching the audience it's designed for, which is a pretty fortunate place to be. Tech videos also have really high CPMs on YouTube. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's not, what do you mean you've heard? <laughs> well, it's not. I don't know what other people's CPMs are. I got it. But okay. when I watch other videos about what have the best CPMs, because I never thought about this for very long. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, there's certain genres that have amazing mm -hmm. versus terrible CPMs. Apparently, tech is pretty high on the list. Interesting. Great. Finance is another one that's mm -hmm. Finance, I've heard, is like primo. Yeah. Like if you make a video about, like I made a video about the Apple credit card. Yeah. And I literally just unboxed it and like showed what it was. It's it's kind of it's whatever. It's a it's yeah. an Apple credit yeah. card, but like yeah, finance videos do in fact have crazy high CPMs. Turns out, now some people will design their content around finance because of the CPMs. Yeah. I would ra It's not like we design this as a tech channel because it makes the most money. We all care a lot about yeah. tech, and it yeah. happens to be a very like consumer driven space, so it makes sense. But, yeah, because yeah. you you can't take. You're, you're not taking any advertising dollars from any tech companies. No. So no. you have to, I mean, a lot, a lion's share, I would assume is AdSense. YouTube, yep. YouTube AdSense. Yep. And over the past, at least for us, now granted, we are also experiencing growth that's different now, but we've seen, and the stats show that like a significant, they've seen significant growth in advertising spend on yes. YouTube itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that a bet that you're just confident in over the next five, 10 years that AdSense is still yeah. the, the, a big piece of your pie. Yeah. I mean, I, I've asked the question in the past, like if I want to go look up a video on something anywhere on the internet, I can go anywhere. Yeah. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go to YouTube and type in what I want to find. If the answer to that question is ever shaky or in question at all, then I'll think about that question. But like Facebook makes lots of offers all the time. Mm -hmm. Upload your videos here. I'm sure the CPMs are great. Yeah. I'm sure the, the, the discoverability factor is awesome. But for who we're making these videos for, we're making videos about products for people interested in the products to find them. The search engine is built right in. Like I'm not going to Facebook and searching for a video review about the new Pixel, right? Um, so yeah, I think YouTube's maybe i mean you inevitably found creators flocking to youtube because of how stable it is i think it's going to be stable for a long time so we're happy yeah. here i like to think of youtube as the internet's library in a way like anything you want to find yeah. it's there and it will always be there yeah facebook is more attuned to like when you walk into the library and people are advertising things on maybe the side of the door when yeah. you come in, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you have a, you have a second, yeah. you, you walk in the library a lot, mm -hmm. but you only have a couple seconds to take in what's there before you go into the library. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube is, is like, obviously it's the second biggest search engine. It's like a massive traffic driver. I thought it was really interesting when at the beginning of the pandemic, YouTube was getting so much extra traffic that they mm -hmm. had to default to like 720p instead of 1080 or something crazy yeah. like that. I was like, that's... That's a pretty good sign because YouTube's got a lot of servers and the fact that they have this much extra traffic means that's where people are going. Yeah. I think one thing that we've noticed is like the creators who are really expanding, like what you're, what you're doing here with this space and even the fact that you've said that you've kind of outgrown it. Mm -hmm. um, Jimmy, when we went to North Carolina, like the creators who are really expanding have all expressed to us that they have absolutely not a doubt in their mind around YouTube stability. And I yeah. think that's really 
empowering and very uh, reassuring. Yeah. And I think um, it's it's outside of those two things, it's just really exciting to think about the concept that we all get to still we oh we all get to do this for like yeah. potentially our entire careers. Yeah, that's that's a, a crazy thought because like when I remember when I first started uploading to YouTube, I was like, I don't know. Who knows? That yeah. was always a question is like, what are you going to do if YouTube disappears tomorrow? Yeah. I'm like, that is a great question, but there's just no way. Yeah. <laughs> there's just no way. And I feel like we'll see the signs. Like what happened to uh, Vine? Like yeah. Vine was massive, mm-hmm. but even with like the the economics of like, okay, creators need to start making money. It wasn't as stable and people were going from Vine to YouTube preemptively before it even disappeared mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because YouTube has the stability. It has all the built-in stuff you want. You know, that answer may change someday. Maybe some competitor will come up. I mean, we have Vimeos of the world, fine. But like, where do you go for videos? YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Casey recently said that TikTok poses an existential threat to YouTube. Do you believe that? Um, so only if you think that, so if you work for YouTube, yes. Because if you work for YouTube, you believe that YouTube has to be the source for all videos on the internet. Mm. And I think when you go to YouTube now, you see a variety of like pretty much every video, even if it's like re-uploaded from TikTok or whatever. But TikTok has this niche of short form and like and creator-driven videos, like obviously on a lock, and they have this algorithm, and it just locks you in. And it is a threat to YouTube only if that type of video will swallow up all of the other types of videos on the internet. So if my reviews turn into TikToks, yes, YouTube has a problem. But I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I think there's still a place for three-hour videos. I think there's still a place for half-hour videos. I think there's still a place for one-minute videos on YouTube. And then there are TikToks. And they're attacking that with shorts. I get it. But I don't think it's an existential YouTube thread as much as it is a new type of video. I think there can be multiple pies, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think TikTok yeah. is this culture and trend accelerator, where, you know, if you're interested in learning how to cook something, you may learn how to cook something on TikTok that you did not want or even know existed, like the salmon yeah. rice dish yeah. that yeah. everyone was making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that just takes over the world like a like a storm. Yeah. It comes and goes, and then something new will come. That's the thing. But YouTube again is that library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. That's the, that's the thing is the faster something appears, usually that's how fast it disappears. And so YouTube came up slowly and I think this applies to a lot of things, but it's just, it's just been here for so long that it's just here. And even my channel, sometimes I'll say like the best thing that never happened to me was having an early video go viral. Really, really glad that didn't happen to me Mm -hmm. because then you start chasing that. You start trying to repeat that. We've all seen it happen. Um, so TikTok has exploded onto the scene. Great. But will they be around for a long time? Will they evolve? Will they latch on? Will TikTok be that thing from the early 2000s that disappeared when everything went to YouTube again? We don't know yet. I think what you said there about not having an early hit is super important. Yeah. Because as a creator, you don't want to let views define identity. Mm-hmm. Like identity has to come first. Yeah. And it has to be that passion yeah. And then hopefully there's a world where views come off of that. Have you found that uh, TikTok will surface an early video from a creator and just blow it up? Just, it seems, this is like a 
maybe it's a little conspiracy theory. I love it. Let's mm-hmm. get into it. Let's but I'll in. have, so we, I've made a bunch of TikToks and it's not extremely consistent, obviously. Some things will blow up, some things won't. But I had an early video just blow up. It's the most viewed thing I've ever made on the internet. Wow. Ever. And whenever that happens to any creator, the natural urge is, that's who I am on TikTok now, is I have to, I have to do that again. And I have to do it better to get more views than last time. And you don't really explore what you're interested in as much. You don't really explore what makes you happy and what you're passionate about. And so I like seeing creators that, um, here's an example. Madian is a, he's about my age, but he's a music producer. And he had a video go viral called Pop Culture where he's on yeah, that yeah, little yeah. synth. I remember it. Yeah, Love yeah. that video. Mm-hmm. He said he will never make one of those videos again. Yeah. He does not want it to define him as a creator, as a musician. That blew up. He did it once, never again. And I think that mentality as a creator on TikTok is really hard because that 32 million just sits there next to the 5,000 and you're like, I got to get back there. Yeah, I mean, but for sure. I think that's what you have to think about is like, I can't let that one define me. I have to keep finding what else I'm interested in and keep experimenting and maybe come to YouTube after a while. Like <laughs> but the drone dancing guy. Drone dance. Oh yeah. That's, like, that's what, his how thing. long is he going to do mm-hmm. it? I mean, Probably he can, until he can't do it anymore, and then that's a wrap on yeah, that guy. Until yeah. he either gets really <laughs> bored with making yeah. them, or the numbers just fall off, and T- he's done. TikTok to answer did- your question, I think, yes, there is a conspiracy there, and I think TikTok does yes. surface videos like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I think TikTok's pulling a lot a lot of levers yes. around like what's working yeah. and what's not. Um, I, d- posting TikToks is the closest thing we do to gambling. Like You just kind of throw something out, and you're like, I yeah. don't know. Who knows? Yeah, because I don't have a TikTok identity. Yeah. And I feel like most people don't until it's like, oh, they have a personality and they find like a shtick maybe. Yeah. But yeah, we were just like, I mean, we're here at a video studio, so we just have video ideas and we're like, oh, you know what? That would be a good TikTok and we'll just make it. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, one of them blows up and you're like, why this one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And we're like, do we try that again or do we just, I don't know. It's weird. You know, we've been, we've been experimenting a lot with YouTube shorts, yeah. um, primarily around like, We've been doing it on our main channel, which some people say do, some people say don't. It's, mm-hmm. it's working. It, it, we have no problem with it uh, so far, but um, we've seen it as like a cool opportunity to build like MVPs for videos, right? And I would imagine like even your with the studio channel, like you have like very quick thoughts, and yeah. it's like this is happening now. It's like it's the first time we've experienced being able to post a video in the same day as shooting yeah. it. You know, yeah. and that's like yeah. a, a very different feeling where yeah, it's, it's like, that's funny. We yeah. had this idea and now it's up. Yeah. I mean, specifically with Squid Game, we were like, should we talk about Netflix Squid Game? I yeah. don't know. Let's make it short. Yeah. It has 15 million views. Yeah. And then I, we we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's make a full episode about <laughs> yeah. that. Right. I love that. I, th- I, yeah, I've thought about doing it on the main channel. I probably should make a shorts channel. And it would be a great place for a lot of those things that we get mm-hmm. the idea of this would be a really good short. And we get that idea all the time and then right. don't make it. Um, maybe that's the thing I'll do. When we, when we turn the cameras off, I'll make a short channel. Okay. How about that? <laughs> right. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, out of, you know, some of the new formats that you've developed, is there one specifically that you enjoy? Like between podcasting, the studio, or the, is there one format that's just like, man, I love doing this? Um. Man, I mean, the ones that we've actually started, I love all of them. That's why we started them. I still find that it's like, interestingly, the main channel, like some of those, we have like little sub formats inside of the main channel. Like we have autofocus and we have like 
even if it's just like first impressions or like reviews, I like I'm so plugged into what those should be. Yeah. That I find them like the best expression of what I want to make. Um, but yeah, no, I think the podcast is fun because like that's the only place that we just ramble on and get into the weeds about stuff. We don't do that in any short form content. We don't do that on the studio channel. I don't do that on the main channel. I try to structure everything very well. So the podcast, I love not thinking twice about like 30 minutes on a port. And then, yeah, the studio channel is like being a character in a world. Don't really do that anywhere else. So I don't know. The ones we've created, I really love. And the ones we haven't yet dove into is probably because we're trying to find a way to all love it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, you mentioned autofocus mm-hmm. in there, and I know autofocus had uh, has a partnership with BBC. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about how that came about and what it means for that series that started on your YouTube channel? Yeah. Yeah, so it still exists on the YouTube channel. So basically, BBC has Top Gear, everyone's familiar with, Top Gear magazine. And... I've been making these car videos and I love that, you know, cars are more and more tech focused like everywhere, which is awesome. And, you know, you see all the comments about like, oh, stick to the tech videos, stop making car videos. Like, well, number one, I'm into these. I'm going to keep doing it. I love it. But number two, cars are more and more tech. And so we started the autofocus series specifically to talk cars. And every time there's a new car, usually it's a high tech car. Most of the time it's electric. We'll use the autofocus series to make a video about the car. Um, Top Gear comes along and they're like, oh, well, you should also write about cars. I'm like, oh, I'll have thoughts on lots of cars. I don't make a full autofocus video on every car I come across, but I have lots of thoughts on them. So we started the hard drive column on Top Gear where I'll give my thoughts on cars. And the arrangement is basically they'll send cars here to test and I'll have them for a couple of days, a week or two. And I can make an autofocus video with that car, but I also will contribute a written column for the Top Gear magazine on that car. So people get my written perspective on way more cars, but there's also now way more cars here. So we'll make autofocus videos on the cars. Win-win. And then there's that video content also can live on BBC? No, just the videos are for my channel. Oh, just the videos are for mm-hmm. Yeah, And then so it's only word, written content that's exactly. for them. Oh, yeah. wow. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. They know their style. They know their audience and what they like, which is like an, a, a neatly outlined mm-hmm. one pager on a car. So I'll create that. And then there's a car here for a week, which we'll make a video about. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. That's, yeah. a, that's a great trade-off. Exactly. Um, so that's that's what we've... I wonder if there's people who just know you as like the Top Gear columnist. That's, <laughs> you know, I haven't had that yet. I, that would be really funny. Like, like someone comes like, up to you and like, hey, are you the guy like, who writes the... I've seen your picture yeah. in Top Gear. That hasn't happened. I cannot wait. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Do you want to be on TV? Would you be interested in that? No, nah, not no. really. Yeah. yeah, it's similar to, to Jimmy. He doesn't, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. But I think that that's actually one of the like most interesting trade-offs that I've heard with traditional entertainment. And I mm-hmm. think that's actually how sometimes traditional entertainment, TV producers try and fit, you know, digital creators oh. into a like traditional format. And yes. we've seen many times that that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and then there's the opposite too, where like TV producers come to the internet and they start making TV for the internet. And there's yeah. this miss, which is, I think the distance between the subject and the audience. Yes. Even if not, not talking about like physical distance, but just like the distance between the two yeah. is so significant on television. And so, you know, you essentially, you are completely, when you're watching a YouTube video, you feel like you're just 
there with the person yeah. and you just don't feel that on on television i think that's uh, uh something that a lot of people can't wrap their head around um yeah yeah i i don't the tv thing is yeah it's just archaic it's 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 an original format it's great it's funny because also i don't get texts from my grandma yeah unless i'm in the newspaper right that's how you know it's real, which is hilarious. Yeah. But like TV is where people, everyone watches TV, people can talk about TV on social media, but there is like a pretty big gap between, as you mentioned, like creating the, having the idea, I talked to Will Smith about this, and like eight months later, the idea is out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even on a talk show, it's like you have the talk show happen, and then 20 hours later, after it was in front of the live studio audience, it's edited and it's on YouTube with this like cringy outro and you're like, this doesn't feel mm -hmm. like a YouTube video, but it's here on YouTube, so I'll watch it anyway. It's, uh, it doesn't quite work. I feel like the reverse is kind of interesting though. There are creators that try TV and try that more structured format to various varying levels of mm -hmm. success and probably happiness too. Um, I have yet to talk to any that like strongly recommend it though. Yeah. Um, you were mentioned on TV recently. That's right. Mentioned on TV. Which, which, what happened? I <laughs> what actually I almost do? messaged our, <laughs> our group chat about it uh, this morning, but then I figured I'd save it for the pod. Okay. Um, a lot Jim, of suspense right now. Yeah. Yeah. What I, Jimmy <sighs> mentioned you on Kimmel. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I'll now go, you know. I have to go watch the clip now. So the clip, he talks about how you were kind of the reason he thinks Elon Musk donated oh. to Team Trees. Right. Yeah. Yes. So he said that on Kimmel. It's pretty oh, that's nice. Good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Give you yeah, a shout that's, out. Yeah, that's that's real. Uh, shout out to Jimmy and shout yeah. out to the Team Trees project. The Team C is now yeah. happening. Mm -hmm. um, no, yeah. Sometimes um, companies, this is where I thought you might have gone. Sometimes companies <laughs> will uh, license a quote from a video and include it in a commercial alongside, so it'll be like, hey, here's what the New York Times said about our phone, here's what the Wall Street Journal said about our phone, and here's what MKBHD said about our phone. And oh, those wow. would be the only quotes in the video. And my parents would be like, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Um, Is that a source of revenue that's like? Barely. Okay, it's yeah. not like a- It, it technically like a is, item, but it's, it's not like we're, yeah. I mean, the You're not basing anything on that. It's yeah. really like the company will come and reach out and be like, hey, can we license this clip for TV? I wouldn't say no, like, unless it's like a, dumb or misleading quote, but they'll come to me with the quote mm -hmm. and they'll say, we'd like to license this and how much will it cost? And it costs a certain amount. It doesn't, it's not, it's not like a main revenue source or anything, but it's almost like the, the effect of appearing alongside, whether it's because you're on TV or because you're alongside those other names, that almost is a bigger, that is a bigger win than any financial gain from licensing yeah. the clips. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. a huge validation moment. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's happened a couple of times with a couple random phones, which is pretty cool. So we talked about just the difference between traditional entertainment and, and digital entertainment, primarily around the distance uh, from the audience and, mm -hmm. and the proximity and the, uh, uh, to the community. You launched a uh, Discord mm -hmm. this year. Can you talk to us about that experience of like having your community exist in its own <laughs> space? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's really fun. So... Yeah, as far as like how specific of an audience you can get, there's like the people on Twitter, which it's a huge number of people. So there's no way they're all the same focus type of person. And then there's the people who are on Instagram. And it's again, it's a pretty huge number. So I feel like the Discord server is the most laser focused um, 
engaged, happy, tech-focused crowd for like every video that comes out, everything we talk about, everything we tweet about, and everything we share from the studio, that is like, that's like the place to hang out for, for people like in the studio, or like just on, on Discord all day, which is fun. Um, but yeah, that was just like to have a, a place to, to like put all these people in a one area and have them chat with each other. They could chat in the YouTube comment section, but it's not really the not, culture of that. I, yeah. I don't think that the YouTube comment section it, it like has that culture of peer-to-peer interactions. No, yeah. I think also, you need more housing yeah. than that. That's stable. That's there yeah. all the time. Because right. you know, YouTube videos. Once you put them out, like mm-hmm. that's the time, obviously, to talk. But then a month then it later, goes away. it's yeah. not the place. Yeah, I mean, we have a subreddit, and it kind of has a similar life. But again, it's not quite as like just random. Like we have channels for different focuses, and those channels are on all the time. Like we have a cars channel, and we have an Easter eggs channel for people just finding things in the videos that they think are like references to things. And we have, you know, That's a, cool. a podcast ideas channel, all these different channels. And they're always all lit up all the time with specific feedback and like conversations. And I'll hop into them all, all the time and just like talk with people. And uh, yeah, I don't think you can create that anywhere else. So it was kind of a no brainer. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the fu- what I look at is the future of, YouTube channels is they really do represent communities, right? And yeah. so I think that when we look at YouTube video uploads, like we're uploading a video, our audience is watching. It's a very like us to you relationship. And I think the audience to audience relationship is part of this next wave of the creator world yeah. where you're giving the experience of MKBHD is actually that I could meet a community of like-minded individuals, potentially have like real life experiences with them, travel to a tech event, talk about something like you're actually scaling the value of the channel through allowing the audience to talk to each other mm-hmm. because it's an always on, like you mentioned, it's an always on experience. And I think communities like that likely can actually fight against some of the pressures that creators have to continue, like to continuously upload because right. if communities can exist where like that is your space, that's the MKBHD space that they're hanging out in. There's a lot of ways to to operate that community, make it better, make it bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a really powerful thing also to, to safeguard against any sort of algorithmic change or any sort of change even in your own personal desire to make videos is like, well, I have my community over here. True, yeah. Yeah, and people talk a lot about like taking ownership of that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it's still on discord, but it does yeah. feel like a very like personal, like owned space basically, which yeah. is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it is a, it is a, a next level of engagement with, like you mentioned, audience to audience, instead of just like replying to a YouTube comment or like liking the one near the top that you agree with, you can talk to the people who have had these thoughts. And another part is a lot of times I'll meet people out in public and one of the most common, uh, statements or like things that they'll say is, oh, I got this phone because of you, or I got this these mm-hmm. headphones because of your video on them. And uh, just being able to link all of those people and experiences together yeah. is pretty unique. Do you have any plans for that community, whether it's in-person events or mm. NFTs? <laughs> Not specifically, but I, I feel like the more I hang out in there, the more it makes me want to come up with something to do with that. Um, as of right now, it's just hanging out. Yeah. Cool. And you and Discord, the platform you're happy with so far? Yeah, they've been great. They've helped out a lot too. Um, they 
have provided moderation help because mm. it's a lot of people yeah. and there's only eight or nine of us able to do that. And we're working on videos. So like we need people to help with that. So yeah, discord has been great. They also have the, their ad campaign going, which I was a part of. It was, it was, I think, I think it I remember on that. TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. We wrote about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, they've, they've been very helpful for us and obviously we've done our best to like grow that and foster that community. But they're, the best part is we get to be very organic and specific about how we funnel people in. Like when we'll share it on Twitter yeah. or we'll share it on a video, it's important that we get to decide exactly that language where it's like, hey, let's talk about this or let's let's watch this live event together on Discord and we get to just build that experience the way we want it. So it's been good. Cool. And do you have any plans in the crypto space as it pertains either to the community or beyond? Because there's a lot of discords where they're, the membership is gated through a token, right? Mm -hmm. Like through a, a matte black MKBHD token that you get to get yeah, in, or is yeah. there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I I don't have any specific plans, which is funny. I I do follow a lot of it. Got it. Um, almost by necessity. Yeah, like yeah. it's not even a physical product, but it has such a like a plug in the tech mm -hmm. ecosystem in this world that we're all sort of talking about it anyway but I don't have any specific, I'm not making an NFT. Are you buying NFTs? Are you? I haven't bought any either. I have been in NFTs that I have not bought. So I don't. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? I've been, um, I, play, a... I play Ultimate Frisbee and yeah. the league has made uh, NFTs of plays. Like top shots. Yeah, exactly. Are you cut into that as a part of the league? Yes, but not enough to make me want to buy it. Got it. Like mm -hmm. all the players will get a cut of the NFTs they're in. I see. But I haven't, yeah, it's fine. Got it's it. cool, it's fine. They've licensed my image, it's fine. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't have any like NFT, I don't have any, at least at, at this point, any specific NFT plans. Is that from a little bit of a like caution or just lack of interest right now? No, I wanted to, anything we jump into like that, I want it, I want a really good reason to do it. So I want to be able to offer something like I've seen some really cool ideas built around NFTs, but at the end of the day, seven out of every 10 that I see are, I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. They're going to make a lot of money from that, but that's kind of all that's happening here. So they're just offering, I don't know, some art maybe. And I don't make any art that I feel is specifically mintable. Mm -hmm, <laughs> like I make mm -hmm. videos. Great. Um, so maybe we'll come up with something in the future, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't have any like reason to to dive into NFTs other than oh yeah, you could make a lot of money from that. Okay, well, I guess we'll keep thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. How much do you think about not doing too many things? Something we talked to Jimmy about as well was he said all like so many YouTubers they get really big and then they start too many things. Yes, and then their channel suffers. Yes, very true. Uh, I've I've thought about that a lot and. That's, that's still kind of the way I think about it is everything we do has a really specific reason for doing it. And so if there's, if there's a new channel we're starting, it's because there's a reason for this new channel, whether this stuff can't live on the main channel or this is a new thing we want to offer and share with you. Um, the Discord server has a reason for it. Everything we do has a reason. So when it comes to channels that are like doing too much, I think they're kind of diving into things because they're happening like NFTs might mm. be an example, like, oh, NFTs are a thing. Okay, if we're gonna be a smart business, we better have an arm in that. Yeah. And it, it makes sense, but I, when you spread yourself that thin, 
you can kind of see when someone's not fully invested in each of those things. We want to be fully into everything we do and have a reason for everything. Yeah, I think it's so common throughout this year, like us talking to some of the, the again, the top creators in the space and the commonality is like hyper focus. I, I mean, I think it's a commonality of any good entrepreneur or any good business yeah. owner is just yeah. singular hyper focus. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, it's very eye opening because I think at times you start to think about hedging your bets and a lot of it is through fear where it's like is this not going to exist is mm-hmm. this not good enough is the audience going to go one day um and i think then that fear makes you think like i'm supposed to diversify now or i need to get right. my hands in these five different things yeah when if you actually just sit back and you're like no i really believe in the product we're making and we just need to make it better that yeah. single product yeah it is a luxury that the main product that we offer as a company is videos about tech products and that that is extremely stable and sustainable. Yeah. Um, and so I think when you, you find channels like, you know, personality dependent channels mm-hmm. where they feel like they can't keep doing this forever. So right. they better diversify now so that when they are done, they have other ways to continue to make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do find that that is a major advantage to really liking tech. Yeah, because I can make videos about mm-hmm. tech until I pass out, and I'll be happy to wake <laughs> up and do it again. So that's pretty pretty fortunate. It, it, and the world, we talked in February a bit about this, but as we look to the future um, with MKBHD, is the world of products or um, accessories is that part of the roadmap moving forward? Yeah, yeah, we want to make we want to make stuff too. Yeah. And I think, again, it comes down to like having a reason for it. It's not just to make stuff to make stuff. It's we want to make stuff that, again, doesn't really quite exist, but that should and that people like us really like. Like the video studio we're building doesn't really exist. I don't really have a YouTube video I can watch of how to build the ultimate tech video production studio. I wish that video existed. We just have to build it ourselves. And I think for the products that we make, like we have merch, we have stuff that mm-hmm. you can wear and that's cool. But I think we do want to jump into, there are products. Like when the Switch Pod came out, I was like, that, yeah. Is, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah, that's an amazing I product. I love that that's mm-hmm. by a creator, for yeah. creators, and everything about it is specific and has a reason for it. And it's designed, and I just loved everything about that. And I think there's some stuff like that in the pipeline for us. Like we have, we make lots of videos. There's lots of people like us. There's lots of tech enthusiasts like us there are inevitably common feelings among among lots of these people about a product that would be really useful that doesn't exist. We're going to find those things for sure. So I can't wait till we do. And we'll definitely be jumping into that. Let's talk a bit about retro tech. Yeah. The experience of of making a show like that, working with YouTube originals, like what's, how does that differ from the content that you make regularly? It's a little closer to the traditional route. There is a little bit of a bigger gap between what we're making and when people get to see it. There's a little bit more production, a little bit more uh, approval for, you know, that mm-hmm. all these all these extra layers come into play. I liked it because the idea for the show is awesome, which is, it's just these ideas that I have never really, I've heard about, but I've never really fully immersed myself into. Season one was just uh, six different retro gadgets that I'd never used or like lived with and it was it was kind of too perfect like i unboxing a cassette tape player for the first time it was either 
it's it's like the people who have also never seen a cassette tape player for the first time, or it's people who are going, I know exactly what that is. I am in, mm-hmm. in like retro mode right now remembering this. Uh, and then season two was like these sort of futurism ideas of things that we thought would happen, but didn't. So again, it's people living in the future or living now thinking, yeah, why don't we have flying cars? Or people from the past who are going, yeah, I remember we were going to have flying cars. Whatever happened <laughs> yeah, to that? Yeah. So the idea for the show is too fun to not try it. And I've, I've really enjoyed like that whole process and at least getting to be involved with a bigger production has helped me learn a lot about production. Mm. Um, and yeah, we're, we're trying to come up with a new idea for season three that would again, make the show a great idea and would make both camps want to watch it. Um, but yeah, it's it was Emmy nominated season season one, I believe, was Emmy nominated. So that's pretty sweet. That's pretty wild. Yeah. The really cool thing too is that it can live on your YouTube channel. Yeah. So th- this is a Netflix or a streaming platform style of show. Yes. But when you do it with YouTube Originals, it can live on your own YouTube channel. Yeah. Which I think is great because it does it hits the same value prop that mm-hmm. the videos on your that you make just here. Yeah. Hit. Yeah, and I get to hang out in the comments right away. As soon as I publish, we're mm-hmm. talking to people about it. I design the thumbnails. All these things sort of bring it back to like removing the layers of separation. Because if it was on Netflix without a comment section, that would be different. It would be cool as a show, but as a creator, I'm looking to share the thing I made and talk to the people about the thing. So yeah, it's pretty sweet that it lives right alongside. We had like a one week takeover where it was just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We just dropped a new episode every day. Loved it. That's really cool. Yeah. You brought up Will Smith a bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to ask you about that YouTube rewind. (laughs) (laughs) When Will Smith starts and he's like, yo, Mark Ass. Yeah. 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 That was, you know, it was funny. So I, so when you shoot rewind, it's obviously RIP. It's not happening anymore. But when you shoot it, you get invited to go, hey, would you like to be on YouTube Rewind? You're like, yeah, sure. So cool, of course, I'll go shoot in like LA for a day or two. Each time you shoot it, it's a little bit different, but Portal A was a company behind it. And I remember that year, they were like, yeah, you're going to be in a Fortnite bus. And they're just telling me what the scene's going to be. I don't have any input over it. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I'll jump out the bus. Sounds fine. And they were like, we think this is going to be one of the bigger scenes in the video. The video is going to open. We're trying to get like either Will Smith or like, and they named like one or two other people and they're going to, Will Smith actually brought up that he wanted to have you be like in the beginning of the video. And I was like, really? That's great. Like we should, okay. (laughs) Sounds amazing. But I didn't get to see the cut or anything. We just went out, shot that and went home. And so my first impression was everyone else's first impression was I clicked play on the video and I watched that. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how many takes he had to do to get that. And then um and then the memes of course, but I yeah, rewind is rewind was fun. I made a video Was it that year that I made a video? I made a video about like you know, rewind gets like 100 million views every year and it's like the thing that YouTube makes to celebrate all of YouTube and YouTube is just too much to celebrate all of YouTube. You can't yeah. make one video. And you could tell how hard they were trying to get everything. Mm-hmm. And there was just no way to make everybody happy. So yeah, it's probably for the best that there is no one YouTube Rewind anymore, but I love the idea of creators making their own specific rewinds in their own genres, mm-hmm. because that's 
the best way to capture that. And I think if YouTube wants to step back in and like create a rewind page with the different genres and the That'd be cool. the people like curate sure. the yeah. the coolest rewinds, I think that that would be really cool. I could see them because again, that. it's it, it, I think YouTube needs to be the platform and the curator of all of it. But the creators are the people like they're they're the creators. Hiring an yeah. outside production company to make something, make a YouTube video, is almost like counterintuitive to what YouTube is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the early rewinds, though. They were pretty good. Yeah. Because the that. landscape of YouTube was much shorter. Yes. And you could actually somewhat address everything. And also the trends that are now taking place on TikTok, a lot of those were taking place on YouTube. Yeah. Right? Like the ice bucket challenge or like any of these like things that took over what everyone was doing. Those were all taking place on YouTube back then. Yeah. So there was obvious like cultural trends that had happened in a year. Yeah. I'd like to see YouTube step in and do kind of what Spotify does. And do the Spotify oh, Wrapped? Yeah. I really like the Spotify Wrapped. I love yeah. Spotify Wrapped. Yeah, because it's, it's personalized. So shareable. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you get your your list, and like I, they used to tell, they might even still tell you like how many hours of videos you watch during yeah. the year or mm -hmm. something. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube, like a lot of YouTube. I have a Netflix account. I basically don't use it. I basically don't watch movies. I watch a lot of YouTube, and I would love like a Spotify Wrapped that somehow encompassed and summarized that YouTube consumption. Cause I, I think a lot of people would find that really interesting. I just don't know how to yeah. create that in like mm -hmm. a easily digestible thing. So what are you watching on YouTube? Everything, I, literally as much as I can. I watch Colin and Samir on YouTube. Oh. Uh, when we're I want to know about the creator We're gonna economy. license that clip for an ad, <laughs> yeah. It's all good. And I watch, no, I watch a lot. I watch, obviously I watch a lot of tech videos cause I'm into tech. Um, yeah, kind of a little bit of every genre, which some for the better, some for the worst. Like I watch a lot of car videos cause I can't have every car here, but I mm -hmm. want to watch all the videos about cars. Uh, my explore page probably would have a bunch of finance stuff. It would probably have a bunch of, at this point, a bunch of home improvement stuff just because that's where I'm at right now. I think that's the future of this company, by the way. Just walking around here, I mentioned this to you, but I, yeah. I see you opening like a showroom of interior design and, and home goods. Yeah. I think it would be something that came out of left field for a lot of people, but I actually think it would Yeah, it would work. Like if you designed furniture, even if it was just one drop right. and it was a limited yeah. edition, like a limited edition MKBHD even just couch. for the home office space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've seen... That exists in a way. I think I, I was I was shopping for a couch and I saw there was like a Maria Sharapova sh mm. furniture collection. Yeah. I was like, why? Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> sure. the connection what is, there. What does she know about furniture? Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, there was this video of her like, yeah, couches need to be centerpieces. I'm like, <laughs> I agree, but why is it you? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe one yeah. day there's like a like a video studio design firm in yeah, <laughs> happening. Yeah, I, well, I think an, another one of my core beliefs for like the future is both community, like I think community is going to be a big part of this next chapter of the creator space where communities are actually creating for each other. Um, and then the next thing is that creators are going to increasingly become more and more curators. Like where someone mm -hmm. like yourself, you could actually have a like retail shop that has all the tech you want. Like, could you create the next you know, B&H photo, like, of course, or like tech yeah. shop, right? Something like that. Like, I think you could, um, but I think you could also just curate things you like because people are just interested in the things yeah. you like. Uh, right. And they, they look to you as a curator of things. Yeah. And I think there's, there's already a sort of way to do that virtually. Like you can make a, a, a store of things that are yeah. curated by you. Um, 
but I agree. Yeah, there, there's definitely like another level of involvement that you could could build up there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I watch, I watch everything. I watch. I watch, There's a lot of sports clips. Do you have any guilty pleasures of, on YouTube? Uh, guilty pleasures. I don't know. What is? I, I mean, there's I'm, there's a lot of frisbee highlights on my homepage, but that's not a guilty pleasure as much as it's mm-hmm. just not common, probably. Um, I don't watch that many talk shows. Oh, you know, it just came to mind. So there's a lot of good animated channels. And I, I don't remember the name of it, but I just found an animated channel that has a whole bunch of videos about murderers, but they're all animated. Oh. Hmm. So they'll like <laughs> go through <laughs> like a 20 minute history of a serial killer with graphic detail about how it all happened, but they're all like nice, friendly animations, which is kind of a weird <laughs> Only on YouTube yeah. would that happen. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so whatever that channel's called, I'll probably have to find <laughs> it and pull it up. But yeah, that's I've found that's some of that that's lately. That's really good. That's, yeah. that's the strange channel you've subscribed to most yeah, recently. I haven't subscribed, okay, but you're they're not fully all there yet. over yeah. my homepage, so I might as well be subscribed. Wow. Yeah. Um, so when you look back, and, and even when we look back at this year, 2021, I think like one thing that's so interesting is a lot of people pin us as like, oh, they're the, the place to learn about the creator economy. That term I hadn't even heard until this year. It seems yeah. like like this space has arrived because it has its own terminology now, or it's starting to it's it's starting to happen. To, yeah, capture. it's easier to package now, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's there's something that represents 2021 for either you or for the creator world? Like some key moments, if you're thinking about the rewind of mm. 2021. 2021. Um, I don't know about packaging. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty in tune with like trends within products in the tech world. And like one of the biggest waves is obviously the electrification of cars. Like every, yeah, every EV coming out, every channel, we all want to cover them. We want to check them out. Um, but yeah, in 2021, it feels like every, Here's the other thing about tech is everything is a small bump from last year, pretty much across the board, unless it's like a brand new category. It's like all these phones are all a little better than last year in all of the same areas that you would expect. Nothing too surprising, nothing too shocking. There's some weird storylines. There's, you know, LG's dead now and like some other companies have popped up where LG was, but nothing really stands out as being like the thing of 2021. Like, Maybe that would be TikTok. Maybe that yeah. would be like the NBA coming back. I don't know. There's like only a handful of things that stand out, especially in the tech world as being like that notable thing from this year. Yeah. But I feel like it's, pro- yeah. I mean, it's probably crypto. Yeah. From an internet trend perspective, like it feels yeah. like that had its moment this year. Or like NFTs, it's, it's coming yeah. out moment. Yeah. 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 Was this year. Why do you think innovation is just a little bump at a time, is it for economic purposes? I think, I think it's underrated how hard it is to make tech better. It is extremely rare to get a genuinely new idea in, in this very developed world of tech we live in where everything is so good, where you feel like it's like a massive jump. Mm. Like we had that with like the original iPhone. That was one of the latest, like really massive jumps. And I think Elon said this at one point, but like if tech isn't getting better, if people aren't working really hard at making tech better, it actually gets worse. And so there are a lot of people 
constantly working really hard at making everything we do just a little better than last year, just a little better than the last one. And over time, that adds up to a big change. And if you compare this iPhone with six years ago's iPhone or any other things like the cameras we're using versus mm-hmm. six years ago, everything is way better than it was. But that's because that's how tech works. Is people are working on the sensors 10% bigger this year. We couldn't fit it. We, if we wanted to make a 70% bigger sensor, we would, but it doesn't fit. We have to shrink every other piece in the camera. So yeah, tech, that's just how tech is, which is kind mm-hmm. of like also a blessing that it's like a slow growth and... I was talking about not having explosive growth as like mm-hmm. kind of a good thing. It's like what tech yeah. is. So I was going to say, yeah. I think that's actually really good advice for creators and entrepreneurs of like, if you just look at last year and you're like, I want to be 10% better than last year across yeah. everything. And if I, if I go any further beyond that, I might strain all the other components. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. I actually think that's a, it's a good analogy and really good, you know, thought for creators. Yeah. yeah. If you can, if you look at the new thing and you're like, Oh, is this better than last year? Maybe a little bit. You might say that over and over again for five straight years, but if you look back at five mm-hmm. years ago, you should see a pretty big jump. Yeah. And that one jump can't all happen at once. You just have to make each mm-hmm. of the little things better and better until you get to the new thing. 